Welcome to the Beautiful Truth podcast with Neela Fanova. This is episode one. The Beautiful Truth podcast is conversations with people, ordinary people, everyday people doing extraordinary things. And we will be um, debunking myths, dismantling society's conditioning, giving up food for thought, uh, inspirational conversation, learning from each other. Because after all, something that we can all do is tell the truth. So episode one, uh, it's a Saturday afternoon and my first guest uh, to launch this podcast is the very talented actor, writer, um, artist, Ambrin Razia. Welcome, Ambrin. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, how are you? Very good. Good. I'm really excited. So am I. About um, having you as a guest. Yeah, me too. On the podcast. And yeah, um, yeah really getting into it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be asking you questions that um, we haven't prepared in advance. Yeah. Um, and I just want you to answer honestly. Yes. This is a conversation between two people. And that's really... Sometimes it's nice when... Um, you get to be a fly on the wall mm. between two people's conversation and this is really what this podcast is about. Yeah. So it's about two people conversing yeah. and um, being totally comfortable in your truth and telling your truth. Yeah. Um, and other people get to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and it's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's start off by asking you how your week has been and how you're feeling you know we're already way into February mm-hmm. uh, we've got like a week and a half left two weeks of February yeah already into the third month of 2020 yeah so tell me what's been going on for you um I guess I've just been writing because obviously as you know you're my sister <laughs> I'm an actress so, you know, with the kind of Christmas period, everything goes very quiet. So in terms of um, work-wise, I've just been writing and, you know, writing away. Um, been seeing a lot of cool stuff, theatre, film. Um, and yeah, I guess just kind of getting into the swing of things for 2020 and deciding what it is that I I want this year that was different to last year. That's... Um... That's really interesting. So I know that 2020 um, for a lot of people is the year that they want things to change, the year that they want the big things to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they want to achieve lots of things. Um, And a lot of people say that every new year that comes in. There's something about 2020 that is like a... A, a, a landmark yeah something that is exciting to people something yeah. that is a marker yeah. um so for you when you're thinking about you know when they say 2020 vision yeah um what is it that you envisage this year to bring for you or what is it that you want to get out of this year what do you want to look back and say okay in 2020 yeah. i did this i think forget about work and things like that I just want to feel like I've I guess grown you know as a person um and I would love to start my own company production company um because I I've just started to realize more and more how much in this industry you need total ownership over what you do um so finding ways to be uh just own my own work and um own myself I guess you know so you started off by saying that you know forget about work yeah and then you went straight into talking about work yeah (laughs) so it's interesting because um let's just give people a little bit of a context and background um how old are you now 27 to 27 and uh you you know give us a little bit of your cv and and what you've done so far in terms of work so um i've done netflix job i did black mirror in terms of acting i did um 
uh, a show called Hounslow Diaries, which was uh, originally my one-woman show, which I toured around the country, and then eventually it became a BBC Three pilot. So that was... Uh, those are, I guess, the two sort of land... I about to say landstones. <laughs> landmark projects in terms of acting um that I've done just because you know for example something like Black Mirror is a show that I I remember sitting on the sofa and going I love this show so much it's such a brilliant show and then suddenly you're a part of it um so that you know it's an incredible feeling um I guess so those are sort of the two sort of greatest acting jobs I'd say I've I've had so far and then you know a couple of other things um in terms of writing I'm working with Clean Break Theatre on a new play that they've commissioned me to write I'm also part of the Royal Court Writers Group um working on my other play which is about uh gaslighting in relationships between um between siblings um so I guess I'm just uh yeah just busy kind of balancing acting and and writing yeah really. acting and writing I mean it's interesting that you say uh it's interesting how modest you are yeah about your achievements mm. um you know and you said you know one minute you're sitting watching uh you know black mirror that started on channel four is that right yeah that's right and you know for a lot of people it was like wow this is something really different mm. uh you know the writing of charlie brooker and the concepts that he brings out in his episode and then oh suddenly uh you know you're actually in one of the episodes yeah um and it's now on netflix Mm. but you know for those listeners who who are listening to that um it seems that you know it was just a very easy transition Mm. and i know uh, for sure that it didn't happen like that in no. terms of you know one minute you're sitting there watching it and the next minute you're in an episode yeah it takes a lot more yeah um and I think for for a lot of people it'd be really interesting to know the journey mm. um behind that yeah you know uh, how do these opportunities come about and mm. what is it that you you did you know from from studying acting uh at university and coming out with a first you know in your degree uh coming out getting an agent doing auditions you know to how many you have two plays published yeah um so diary of a hounslow girl and pot Mm -hmm. are your two plays that have been published so to be a published playwright at the age of 27 is an incredible achievement so to say that (laughs) you know bbc3 and 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 your netflix job you know an, an episode of Black Mirror is your biggest things to date. Don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. not rubbishing Black Mirror or Netflix, no. but I know that there's so many strings to your bow yeah. and there's so many achievements. Yeah. And I think sometimes we are not that great at celebrating our own achievements yeah, and our I own agree. milestones. I agree, yeah. Um, but I want people to know, you know, knowing you so well, mm. um, I know the struggles that you go through every day. I know the journey. I know mm. the discipline. Mm. I know the hard work that it takes and all the sacrifices. Yeah. You know, and you hear about this when yeah. you when you talk to successful actors. Yeah. Uh, or successful, uh, you know, theatre directors or producers or writers even. Um and they say, oh, it takes an incredible amount of hard work and sacrifice. They say that. But what I really want people to understand is what is it like being um, a woman in mm. the industry, mm. a woman of colour, mm. um, and coming into the industry when you've got um, so much that you want to achieve, but yeah. what is the reality of coming out um, and not coming from a drama school, but coming with a degree mm. and then going straight into the industry in terms of racking up your credits and, you know, your appearances on things. And, you know, what is it like? You know, what is a day in the life of, of Umbreen Razia? Because people see this incredible young talent. You've been interviewed, you've been on radio, you've been on TV um, and you've been interviewed and, and people see you as a real... Um, forced to be reckoned with a real trailblazer in this industry mm. you know um, where does that come from I, I think it, you have to have 
drive. You have to have this thing where when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you think of. Because if you're not, you're competing with people who are. Um, You know, I, I think I immediately knew that I wanted to be a performer and an artist because every morning when I woke up, um, you know, say from sort of university, I wanted to get up and I wanted to learn lines or I wanted to get up and I wanted to read a play or, you know, I just, I wanted to get on with what I was doing if it involved something to do with my art. So that is, I think you have to have it sort of built in you. You have to really want it. Um, And also you have to be totally prepared for things like rejection and um, knockbacks that, I mean, they come more than the successes. Yeah, yeah. and that's what a lot of people don't see. So what we don't document and, you know, we're living in an age in where everyone is sharing almost every part of their lives on social media Mm -hmm. and you know, we see when people post, oh, I'm at this awards, or oh, I won this award, or mm-hmm. oh, I'm uh, I'm at the BBC studios, you know, recording for this. Or, and yeah. so you see this stream of highlights mm-hmm. um, and positive uh, milestones, positive things happening on people's maybe Instagram feed or Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, and people just think, wow it's going from you know success to success and you know it's a very blessed life Mm. um and it's it's not something common that people speak about actually the lows there are great highs i'm sure there are great lows yeah the lows are you know the i'd say just looking back and this is not to put anyone off because i'm still doing it I still wake up and do it every day, but there are definitely more lows than there are highs. You'll you'll have, I don't know how many auditions, you know, in a year, and you might get three of those or four of those, five max, you know. So you will go through the lows. But my biggest thing that I say to people is that, I mean, some actors can wake up and just be an actor. Mm. I can't do that. Um... I take my hats off to those people, but I personally, I can't do that. I have to have something else that I'm doing in where I can have full ownership. So my writing gives me total creative control and ownership. Um, It allows me to express myself creatively. Um, I'm not just at the hands of someone's casting room or someone's decision, um, because that can really... I feel like sometimes that can really shatter your self-esteem. So I think it's really important to have something else. And I'm not saying writing's the answer. Writing is my uh, my other thing that I have. But if you can sustain a career out of this industry, it's a huge thing. I mean, people say to me, where do you want to be in five years? If I can still be working and making money off acting and writing then that is a blessing to be self-employed and to just be doing that and not have to work behind a bar. I'm very, very fortunate. So for me, that's a huge thing that I want to maintain. Um, And I I think that there are other, you need to have, I think you said this, you need to have multiple streams of income in this industry. So whether that be you do an editing course or you like DOPing or... um, it doesn't even have to be in the industry. It can be something else, but something that you have control over, something that gives you a sense of identity and allows you to maintain that because without that, we're not anything. I think that's a really, really fantastic point that you made there. Um, I think multiple streams of income and being um, diversifying your mm. talents yeah. uh, is something that even big Hollywood stars are doing now. Yeah. So you have um, a lot of actors who, you know, um, have worked their way up the ranks and are now in a position to be executive producers, you know, on the series that they're they're working on or the film. Mm -hmm. Um, Some are going into directing. Um, And it is about, I think, like you said, a lot of it is about having um, creative control as well. Yeah. Um, Because now we're in an age where... We, were, we used to be in a time where a singer 
a singer's main uh, objective or main goal was to get a record deal. Yeah. An actor's main objective or aim was to land that big role. Yeah. You know? Um, But now we're in an age where people are creating content for themselves. So there is no such thing as a ready-made record deal now. No. You know, uh, record labels... Yeah. Um or uh, platforms want you to have a finished product now yeah. so a lot of these young artists that are coming up have already recorded their ep or album yeah already have producers that they're working with it's mm-hmm. a it's a whole different landscape yeah. that we're dealing with you know people are projecting themselves uh onto sort of mainstream media through having built youtube uh, yeah. followers yeah. um or instagram followers because mm-hmm. they're creating their own content and it's about having their own voice mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's really really important for people to know that whatever field you're in it's always good to have a plan b but also a plan c and a plan d well we need to pay our rent yeah and we need to eat and we need to live yeah i mean i i still work in prisons um you know that is work that I enjoy it's not for everyone but that is how I pay my rent that's my bread and butter um you will have to do other jobs but it is a luxury when it's a job that you want to do alongside your main passion you know I started out in um I guess you could call it community theatre you know where I went into schools and um did forum theatre and I guess got a lot of my training in sort of improvisation and things like that um, and I still continue to do that. I still continue to teach and run workshops. And then I also continue to, to work in prisons, um, pupil referral units. Um, you know, we're about to do something in a women's centre, run a workshop there. Because the reality is, is that, yes, it's income. I find the work inspiring. I enjoy it. But you have got to, you've, you've got to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, you know, I mean, we're living in a day and age now where living in London especially is so expensive yeah. just to keep up with rent. Um, I mean, a lot of us are renting and, we, you know, we're not paying mortgages. But mm-hmm. whatever it is that your situation is, mm. whether you're flat sharing or you've got a, a, a rented place or you're paying a mortgage, it's expensive living in London. Travel is expensive. Food is expensive. All of these things. So, yes, we have to make a living. And... You know, I don't think anyone's a stranger to the fact that, you know, a lot of actors are not in steady work. It's not a monthly paycheck. No. Um, you know, like a regular nine to five would be. No. You know, where you get paid at the end of each month or the end of each week. Um, but then on the flip side of that, if you get a good job, it's a big payout. It's a big lump sum. Yeah. But then how do you manage that? So there's a there's a whole side to... Well, half being... of it goes to the tax man. I learned that this year. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's certain things you do. You have to... When you're self-employed, there's certain things you have to be really careful of. Yeah. Um, and that's something they don't teach you in drama school and university. I mean, I always say that I think in universities in the last year of university if you're doing something which you're going to be self-employed in I think there needs to be a session on HM revenue I'm really sorry but there, there does and there needs to be more sessions on funding you know how to fund your own projects and arts council and and things like that um because I I know there's been times where I've it's got to the end of the tax year and I've not known what to do because I just I haven't been given those tools I think it's all good and well doing the artistry and all of that stuff and working on that but I feel like you will learn that stuff on the job I think it's really important to teach people and equip them with how to actually live and do your taxes at the end of the year I think it's really important stuff so I think yeah it's um it's amazing isn't it how we just never look at the practicalities of things and you know successful people are there because they have this knowledge and they empower themselves with this knowledge and this know-how. Yeah. Um, you know, and why why do rich people stay rich for generations? You know, generational wealth, we call it, is because they teach the yeah. next generation yeah. how to hold on to this wealth yeah. and how to generate more wealth. Mm. Um, it's like and it's how... not just more... It's not just about money. Mm. 
Um, it's about knowing how to navigate things in life. So it's not being naive yeah. to the fact that, yeah, okay, you want to be self-employed. That's the dream. Be your own boss. Yeah. But what's the reality of it? Yeah, exactly. Is knowing the business side of things. Yeah. You know, knowing, like you say, how to do a tax return. Mm. How do you deal with accountants? Yeah. Um, you know, if you get paid 10 grand on a job you know know in your mind that actually five grand of that is not yours no yeah if you have an agent how much is their commission going to be yeah just navigating all of that mm -hmm. plus keeping the energy and the momentum of being a creative and creating yeah. your own work and being passionate yeah you know like you said you have to pay the bills but you could you could easily choose to be say okay um uh I need to pay the bills, so in in the time where I'm not writing and being paid to write, or, or I haven't been commissioned for a project, or I'm not on casting calls, or I'm not haven't got an acting job. I could work in Sainsbury's. Could mm. you do that? Could That's you? A good could you work in retail? Could you work behind a bar? Or or do you reach a certain level in your career where you you can't you can't do that? I mean, is there a I stigma mean, attached to that? Uh, could could yeah. Umbreen Razia be your, you know, your cashier at uh, at Lidl? <laughs> do you know what? I'm more than happy to do that still, <clears throat> but I think I'm still at a stage where I've got kind of anonymity, you know, where I I probably could without. Well, I don't know. I mean, I have had times, you know, in the gym where someone's come up to me and gone, "Have you been in Hounslow?" So it could very well be, but I really don't think that there is a problem with that. Yeah. I think that you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. There was a story recently about um, the actress in Fish Tank. Mm -hmm. And she had to support her family. So she took a job up at Sainsbury's or Tesco's. And she got, um, you know, the the paparazzi, they, they got her and put her in the newspaper. Um, and basically said, oh, EastEnders actress, because she's in EastEnders now, working in Sainsbury's and Tesco. And she was ridiculed for it. And... She went on this, you know, one of the GMTV or this one of those shows and said, um, I shouldn't be ridiculed for it. I need to feed my kids and I need to look after my family. And I don't think, I think it is a hard industry and I think we should support each other if we have to do that. If I wanted to, you know, um, I don't know, say shampoo hair, which I used to do. Um, and I wanted to make some money. I want to know that I can I can do that and make money and go home and not be hassled. Yeah. Um, or someone won't go. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why is there stigma attached to these things? Why Why do we feel like actors uh, have this identity of celebrity attached to them, and that then all of a sudden they can't be normal people in the real yeah. world anymore. No. Why? Why is that? Aren't they just people just like I think just like you, everyone else? They are. I think if you ask them, they'd probably say, yeah, I would if I, if I needed to. Mm. But it's what other people around them fuel them with. And, you know, the level of kind of, I guess, this um, importance around, you know, being an actor and being a celebrity and being on set. And I actually don't think most people want to live like that, if I'm being honest. Mm. I, I personally don't. Mm. Um, I want to be able to go to a cafe and, oh, this sounds creepy, but just watch people and go, oh, I like that. I want to put that in my play. Whereas, you know, for example, I don't know, Marlon Brando at one point, he said, the minute I stopped enjoying my profession was the minute I couldn't go to a cafe and people watch. Mm because people would come up to him and recognise him and it's just a totally different form of existence. Yeah. But I I don't think it's a natural way of existing, if I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, and that leads really well into um, the fact that I know you've paid your dues in the past. I know you've had many jobs from waitressing to working in shoe shops, <laughs> yeah. working in restaurants, shampooing hair... Yeah. Uh, doing all sorts of menial jobs, working in retail, mm. having Saturday jobs. I know at one point you were in a call centre mm. uh, and at one point you had like three different jobs. Yeah. You know, to to make ends meet. Um, but I think um, that all these things build character. Yeah, they do. So when you go for a role, yeah. um, 
a working class waitress maybe mm. you've got the real grit behind it because you know yeah what that means yeah i think it builds character yeah i think dealing with customers dealing with the public all yeah. of these things build character yeah um being tired doing the grind all of these things and then it add to the richness i mean yeah it does coming from a very privileged background yeah um you know i know there's a lot of rich kids uh these rich celebrity kids mm. that you know have uh the parents money and they've never had to work a day in their life and then they believe that they're entitled to this sense of um celebrity and status and importance and but that's incredibly damaging because that does catch up with you eventually you know um and it might be because you'll be on set and you treat someone you know with a sense of privilege and entitlement um, and then suddenly that word gets around that you're difficult to work. I think that I think it's very important people get their grounding before going into the industry. Like you know, but I'm, what? Where do you get this sense of, you know? I mean, I've been around um, artists mm. and musicians and producers, yeah, um, and actors, yeah, and not everyone is, yeah, as grounded, yeah, as you seem to be not everyone um yeah not everyone is you know a a lot of people love the fame love the fact that they they don't have to um queue up uh, at a club or they can get reservations at a restaurant wherever they like or that people know them or that people want their autograph that people want to see them you know or be seen with them or or take a photograph with them or come up and speak to them they love that they love the sense that they're getting attention that they've got you know it's all about how many followers they've got and how many likes it's this it's Mm. this it's this what i like to i mean to to term it crudely i suppose the fake world Mm. versus the real world what what keeps you so grounded I think if you're an artist, you don't want that stuff. I think there's a difference. Um, Are you talking about people who want this fame, in inverted commas, and this celebrity, and what that brings, versus creating work and and having uh, integrity and ownership of that work and wanting to leave some kind of legacy, having a passion behind that? I think everyone's everyone's different. I don't think society encourages um encourages people to i guess work silently anymore you know and graft silently i think there is something in having to i don't know like you know now we're in a kind of instagram phase where everything you do has to be highlighted or shown or you know but i think i think there is a difference between people who want to be artists and people I guess to sort of want to be validated but I do think that everyone you know gets to a point where if if you are someone who is seeking validation and you do seek it on a massive level um you do come to a point where you you will question yourself and what happens when the tables turn and you're not flavor of the month anymore and you go from being the nation's sweetheart to you know being on the front pages because uh, a mistake that you've made has been revealed Mm. so you you go from being the protected to the hunted yeah Uh, you see it happen so much yeah so when people base their entire lives and careers and existence on this validation of the public and what other people think um we just live in a world nowadays where people have platforms to uh express their opinions and Mm -hmm. i think everyone should be able to express their opinion you know freedom of speech is something very very valuable in the free world that you know there are places still on this planet um and in this world where you you don't have that yeah so just recently on the news uh, you know, uh, there was a, a guard and a prisoner who escaped from um, a prison camp in South Korea, you know, and there's people imprisoned in there because they have watched certain programs that are banned mm. in South Korea yeah. or 
the uh, people in there who have been imprisoned for arranging phone calls outside of South Korea to other places. Um, You know, there's people who are still being restricted in that way. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the times where that used to happen and there was propaganda and, you know, it's still happening. So... So free free speech is is important, I, I think, um, and having your opinion. But then we it's gone it's gone almost to the other extreme. So it's become so easy for people to sit behind screens and their devices, whether it's on their phone or their laptop or their computer, and comment on everything. Yeah. Everyone's got an opinion about everything. So you know, internet trolls, social media mm. trolls, is become a big issue now. Yeah. So if you're entire existence yeah is based on nice comments and people supporting you and likes and followers mm-hmm. but then you've got this other side of it where people are sending you uh death threats or really negative mm-hmm. demeaning horrible nasty mm-hmm. comments you know yeah. how do you balance that we are we are living in that world you know um it's- i mean you can't ignore what's recently happened and you know i think I think during the course of these conversations, one of my thing is to keep things current yeah. and to not just talk about conceptual issues in the yes. abstract yeah, and to, yeah. keep, to keep it, to keep it um, current to what's going on right now, mm-hmm. but relate that to um, our truth and the person's truth that's sitting opposite me yeah. um, because there's a shared truth in that. But I mean, you know, I, I couldn't, under all uh, good conscious... A release a any kind of a, a, a podcast or broadcast out there without mentioning um you know the recent suicide of caroline flack yeah um and that being the third the third um suicide that's been associated with yeah that particular reality show mm-hmm. love island mm-hmm. um hands up i do watch love island yeah um and hands up i have questioned myself as to you know whether i should continue to watch it because i feel that there's something going majorly wrong here yeah and we are heading towards a place where we're heading towards the hunger games yeah and you know the hunger games was was a you know a trilogy of books that was written and then made into a film and it's not, a, you know, it seems like a far-fetched concept that you, you are put into this situation where you literally fight for your life and it's for people's entertainment. But I think they're doing that now. So, yeah. So you're there's fighting an... for, you're not, I mean, Battle Royale and Hunger Games and things like that, which, you know, was something like Battle Royale, for example, was well ahead of its time. It came out way before the Hunger Games and you know, it was kind of, I guess, pupil referral unit kids all being put in one place, but it was a, it was a way in order to, it was kind of a social cleansing thing and way to get rid of them. Um, but you are fighting for reputation, you know, that that's what they do every every day, you know, in, in that villa or whatever it is, is they, they fight for reputation and um, status and power, um, and it's just it's a lot of kind of games and and psychological uh, psychological trauma that I don't even think that they're aware of. You yeah, know, and that- obviously, obviously, it's becoming more and more apparent that there's something going on in the whole process of being on these reality shows mm. where it's affecting people. So when they come, when they are launched into that world, yeah, you know, they're I don't know. Um, a scaffolder or a plumber or a, den- a dental nurse or something like that um, and they live a nor- relatively normal everyday life and then they get thrown in the deep end mm. um, of a prime time TV show where then suddenly everyone knows what you look like, what your name is, yeah. um, what your preferences are um, and you go on to these shows. I mean, it's a game show. Yeah. So the thing with things like... Love Island and Big Brother and other things like this is it's reality TV but it's also a game show because there's a prize at the end of it. Yeah. So it would be different if it was a social experiment to see 
could you go to a place, a villa with five guys, five girls, whatever the setup is, and you know, people from all different walks of life, you're put into the same place, you live together 24 mm. hours a day. Mm. Is there a possibility of finding a connection and real love? Yeah. And that's it. That's the social experiment. That is the prize. Yeah. That yeah. would be a different thing. Yeah. It's not. The whole premise of this show is who can make it to the final through all these tasks and all these... Game playing. Game playing yeah. and all these... Uh, you know, red herrings and all these things that are thrown at them in terms of recoupling, in terms of new people coming in, um, and in terms of these games that they set up that are, but which actually I find quite vulgar well, actually, in the sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, but the, the actual... The, the, the aim of the game is to get to the final, to be the winning couple, to win £50,000. It's a game show. It's a game. Yeah. So what you're saying to people is play with people's emotions, show the world that you're here to find love and find a compatible person and the person that you want to be with, um, you know, and play out all these emotions of rejection and, and, and insecurities and all of these things and finding someone who you fancy and who you're compatible with and who supposedly you want to be with in the outside world you know, on a, on a long-term basis, um, but do it in this scenario of a game show where we will throw things at you and we will make it really difficult and, you know, there will be eliminations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you will be voted off, you will be dumped from the island. I mean, or even the language that they use yeah. is, is very... Um, I, I'm sure you go through a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, you know, they... Yes, to a certain extent... Now that however many seasons into it, they know the format of the show. So they know every time they get a text message on yeah. their phones. Yeah. And they say, I've got a text. Yeah, I've got a text. Yeah. yeah. And it's either going to be something good, like, oh, you're going on a date. Yeah. Or it's going to be... Well, that's right, just, now that, vote. That just... That just increases anxiety, doesn't it, I guess. And, and also, I think, you know, we're already trying to create a sense of solidarity... Um, and, and equality with men and women and I don't think that this necessarily does anything to kind of I guess it doesn't help you know um, for example you know playing women off against each other or playing men against off each other you know who's the fittest survival of the fittest but in a you know in terms of what your body looks like soon it will be survival of the fittest in terms of whether you can actually eliminate that person in real life which is terrifying yeah. which is like the hunger games and that but it's it's a kind of i guess diluted version of that because it's so based on image and actually i don't know whether this is more damaging because it's that thing of survival of the fittest it's like you have to look a certain way you have to be a certain type of masculine man or thin woman um, with long hair, you know things like short hair and 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 curvaceous bodies aren't aren't championed on that show and and women of color. If I'm being totally honest with you, um, but you know this this thing about what a stock man should look like and a stock woman should look like and they should be together and they should live happily ever after. And we're trying to, I guess, personally, what I want to do working with young people sometimes. I I want to get this Disney thing out of their heads that you'll meet your prince and that's not life that's not reality and what you're doing is you're reinstating these false false premises that that is the way life is going to go yeah it's very image based i mean they don't show them eating hardly i mean that is yeah they don't show them you know having proper meals no uh you know it's edited so again i think what it comes back down to an important point is that we're also shown uh, it's a TV show. Yeah. So, you know, production and producers are in their ears. Mm -hmm. They're being prompted to have com certain conversations. They're being pushed into certain situations that they may not necessarily want to be in. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the pressure of, but I want to stay in the show and, and, and be in it as long as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're encouraged to, when they're coupling up, I mean, to share a bed with a stranger who you hardly yes. know, that's quite a big deal. To uh, to say you're in a couple, um, you know, and, and to choose people. I mean, the, the, the whole first episode is the women lining up in swimwear and then men walking down one by one 
and them stepping forward for the men they like and then but ultimately the man gets to choose which <laughs> yeah, which, which girl one? he wants yeah. regardless of whether she step forward for him or not and regardless of whether she's already <laughs> whether she's interested yeah. she might not even be interested and whether, but it's up to them and regardless of whether she's coupled up with someone already or not so in the real world would you would you do that so it's no. encouraging people to be that person's already with someone but i like them and i think i'm better looking than the person they're with already <laughs> so i'm gonna still go for it but immediately you know you, the girl the, the women who are lined up i feel like every time i watch it and you know the guy doesn't choose them for example if they step forward and the guy doesn't choose them you're creating a real sense of i mean they they immediately feel rejected yeah because it's, it's so their it's entirely based on looks yeah so their self esteem before they even go on the show is really low so that essentially makes you more malleable and you're opening yourself up to obviously all kinds of criticism you know uh you know to go on national tv in a bikini every day yes, where it, and, and 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 i have to say the swimwear on that show is getting skimpier and skimpier i've never seen so many ass cheeks in all my life <laughs> you know no it is and it's all about body body image like you say mm-hmm. the long flowing hair the makeup there's this ritual when they show the montage every single show of them getting ready for the evening so they're encouraged to be in swimwear all day to show off their bodies in this particular one the winter love island you can clearly see they're freezing their asses off in the evenings because it's very breezy and the temperature's dropped and but the girls are in these skimpy tiny dresses and they're freezing Mm. what is it that these producers are trying to achieve with these shows but we watch it still and this is the thing yeah and but there are real life consequences for people afterwards that are part of this big media hype and this big momentum and everyone's talking about it and everyone's tweeting about it and certain contestants from that show have come out of that show and built profiles for themselves and gone on to have careers whether that be presenting career or modeling career or uh you know things like that um they're all so young as well and they're young you know i think we watch it and because of you know these kind of cardboard kind of scripted conversations they have which sound like they've got everything worked out between them they're like well you know you did this and it sounds like we're hashing everything out like adults they're they're 21 they're so young at 21 i was a bag of emotions i was a I mean, I still at twenty seven. I could probably say I still am, but twenty one. I mean, that is young. I think I I, I remember being twenty one, and you know, if I was ever in a relationship or something, it's like you're you're all over the place. Like you, you don't have that knowledge, and they are young. They, they are, are young. so young, and it's pushing people together. And I don't know. It's it's quite. There is a sinister side to it. So although the premise is that it's for entertainment and it's a social experiment and it's seeing people find love and it's seeing these, you know, beautiful faces and bodies uh, on TV screen, you know, around pools, in a villa, living this life, it's escapism. But I think there's a sinister side to it because obviously if you're recruiting people from all walks of life, which has become more questionable because the more and more that particular show, I know we're honing in on a particular show, but it's because it's very relevant and current at the moment. Because of what's happened. Because of what's happened. And um, that particular show is becoming more and more um, selective on who they're recruiting. So, you know, the first few seasons of it, um, you know, the regular people um, who you didn't know, and then as it's gone on, you find out that actually people are being recruited because they're actually makeup artists of celebrities yeah. already yeah, yeah, or yeah. they are sisters or siblings or family members or children of actors or celebrities or singers. Or, yeah. And they seem to always get to the final. Yeah. So, you know, is the whole thing a setup? Is I... the whole thing planned from the beginning? Do the producers work harder to keep certain characters in if they know their popularity rankings are up? It's a constant voting thing. Vote for your favourite couple. I'm sure they monitor uh, social media feeds to see who's getting positive feedback, who's getting negative feedback, you know. um, And how they portray... I think, what it seems to me, 
is that everyone is given a role. So they might as well be given a script and yeah. a character like yeah. you do in a soap. Yeah. And be like, right, play, yeah, yeah, play yeah, this yeah. person, play yeah. this character. Be the damsel in distress. You be the sassy one with attitude. You be the agony aunt. Yeah, you be the agony aunt. You be the comedian and the joker of the pack. Yeah. You know, you be the rogue and the one who, you know, yeah. who wants to step on people's toes. It's just, you know, people are <laughs> given these characters. And yeah. I think there's something, there's a, there's loads of conversations to be had about the responsibility yes. of the TV channels and of the producers of these programmes because people are coming out, they're not getting the support they need mm. or the aftercare or any kind of, there's, there's no system set up for... Uh, a, a support system around them to deal with the fallout of it whether that be good or bad uh, and I think that's really important it's not just um, ha- you know being represented by a certain uh, a, a, you know management company yeah. or booking agent no. you know no, no, uh, no. because a lot of them when you when you see their Instagram accounts after they come out or even actually while they're st- all still in there yeah you know their Instagram account is managed by mm. such and such talent management. I think that's not enough. From what I've heard, from what I've seen from ex contestants, is that they have said that they do get a level of help when they come out. Um, no, no. What I or or did I hear that when they're in there, they get a level of care. That's what it was. When they get a level of care when they're in their psychological or whatever it might be. But that's not where the help is needed I think and whatever the help is it needs to be expanded and it needs to be interrogated because quite clearly people are coming out and um have and 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 are are damaged um not everyone that's not everyone um but some people have come out as we know in previous series and have not been able to handle um I guess the the uh, the level of scrutiny, yeah, and the, the yeah. criticism, yeah. the 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 complete, you know, every minute of your life being followed and, yeah. and what you're doing, yeah. and and keeping up with that image. So if you've been given a role and an image to portray, and that's not really authentically you, is keeping up with that all the time. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, even even the current pr- um, host presenter of the show. Um, Laura mm. um, has said there is that level of care provided yeah. while on the yeah. show and it's a very supportive and uh, you know uh, yeah. network and, and, and show it's afterwards yes. and it's social yeah. media's fault Yeah. so yes it, a lot of it does come through social media and you can't control the whole globe no global <laughs> usership no. of social media no but if you are creating a platform and a format, yeah. bringing these people together, making them do things for people's entertainment, yeah. then as that channel or broadcaster yeah. or production team, yeah. I think yeah. you have a responsibility yeah. to then put things in place. Yeah. So when the thing happened with Caroline Flack, um, you know... They they made an announcement. Ian Sterling, who does the commentary, uh, did a, did an announcement, and then in the ad breaks, they they're showing the number for Samaritans yeah. helpline. Yeah, yeah. I think that they could have done a lot more and set up a foundation or some kind of level of support other than just signpost to Samaritans because I'm sure yeah. Samaritans are fantastic at what they do, yeah. but they're already probably overwhelmed with the amount yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know of support they already have to give so why couldn't they set up something um well, they, they have that they have they have the where they hire in psychotherapists the... and counselors and therapists to, to come in and work with these people you know as as you know as a team and they actually have their own in-house help provided because yeah i mean i I appreciate what they're doing in regards to the Samaritans, but then also I do think that as a um, BAFTA-winning show, you should be able to provide that side of help yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, we've talked about lots of things, um, but then gone into 
quite a lot of depth. I mean, there were so many things we could have covered currently, like the, um, you know, Parasite is a film that has won a lot of awards. Mm. I think there were so many social messages in that about class divides yeah. and about the haves and the have-nots, the upstairs, the downstairs. Yeah. So many messages in that film and all the awards were, were more than well-deserved. Yeah. You know, we can talk about... They should have got more, in my opinion. Yeah. They should have got them based on um performances yeah you know there was definitely one particular performance in that that should have got best supporting actress which was the housekeeper and that that should have been hers um but you know like Joaquin Phoenix said there is still a level of systematic racism within uh, the industry yeah um because I mean but what wow what speeches he gave he's given he's given a few now yeah. because he's won best actor um at the at the golden globes and at the oscars yeah yeah and at, at the baftas and at the baftas so you know the uh you know the every time that he has given an acceptance speech for best actor yeah. at these awards yeah he's highlighted a social issue yeah and I just found it incredible. I know a lot of people did. I think some people were taken aback at mm. just how stripped back and real he was. Yeah. And he didn't even talk about thank you so much and, you know, for this award. He he was talking about the responsibility of the industry and the responsibility of the actors yeah. and everyone else in the industry to tackle these issues. Yeah. You know, he brought up systematic racism, representation, climate change, um so many things yeah, that's um, how you, you should everyone should use their platform if people use their platform like that i think the industry would be a very different place i think it's all good and well saying thank you to people um but if the industry if, if every win was thank you thank you thank you there's no progression there yeah absolutely and i mean isn't aren't these things aren't, and i don't think these... he had to thank anyone because i think that was a fully worked on performance and something that he did don't get me wrong like I think of course he had his director and the he was given that opportunity but he executed it absolutely incredibly well so putting the thank yous aside it's like I think I, I think he's earned the absolute right to be able to say those things on a platform yeah but more than more than earned the right I mean he's an absolutely incredible actor very talented yeah. Um, and there's very few like him. Yeah. I think the way he acted in The Joker, uh, one of the best films yeah. um, I've seen. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the take uh, on that character mm-hmm. and the backstory and, and how they chose to portray it yeah. was, was fantastic. It touched on mental health. It touched on taking a comic book character and delving into the depths of... Why is the bad guy the bad guy? How did he get to that place? Yeah, yeah. You know, what pain has he suffered? What 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 mental health issues were there? What what mm. role did society play yeah. in shaping that person? Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. But more than earning the right to say it, it's having the integrity to use that time mm. to highlight those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because to be the voice, mm-hmm. you know, to go against the grain, to go against the crowd yeah. and sit there amongst your peers yeah. and say, I'm not going to take this moment for it to be about myself. Yeah. Actually, I'm on a world stage platform yeah. here yeah. where a lot of people are listening. Mm. And this is the real shit that's going on. Yeah. This is the real stuff that um, we need to be talking about. I think that's incredibly humble incredibly brave and courageous and i I do want to see more of that going on Mm. um because some of the acceptance speeches are absolute utter nonsense some of them don't (laughs) just waffle on about nonsense and are very self-indulgent it's a huge opportunity isn't it to to spark some kind of change it is and 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 you are being televised globally maybe not in south korea but (laughs) you're being televised globally and um you know it's an opportunity to to spark a a real change and if we don't take those opportunities as they come and we're not i think it's bravery you've got to be brave and you have to take that stand um 
and you know it's like okay I think I think there is a huge fear that I don't know you might never work again or people aren't going to hire you because you're difficult because if you can do something like that what are you going to do on set but it's like who cares yeah but it's about being yourself having the courage to to have a voice and talk about things that are important to you and not be this cardboard cut out shaped molded uh entity that the industry want you to be or that your management team want you to be you know um it's so easy to to become that because there's so many yes people in the industry Mm. that it all becomes about you and your celebrity and what a good actor you are and how much you earn on your last film and you know actually if if we if we look at it and we say that you know life is art and art reflects life you know all of that thing then then yes it is important to to raise those really really important issues i think um and i i want to see more of that yeah um want to see more of giving back yeah because if you're given if you're given opportunities yeah and you are in a position to have an influence yeah for justice yeah. for the right thing yeah. you know for the 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 unheard voices it's it's something you should do it's it's, it's a responsibility that should we, we should live up to yeah um and you have to you know like i said you have to i think the thing with artists sometimes is that they get and i've been guilty of this getting so involved in my art that you forget to check in with the real world and it's like uh, you have to check in with the real world because that's what you're depicting every day. Mm. So how can you, you know, be out of touch with something that you're trying to show yeah. and depict? Yeah. You have to be you have to be in touch with it and you know I take mean those it- those award ceremonies are very much voted by uh, you know the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah. That's that's who's and uh, <laughs> Ricky Gervais, I'm quoting Ricky Gervais here, I didn't say it. He was just, he said, uh, there's a reason, you know, that people of colour weren't snubbed this year. The Hollywood foreign press are very, very racist. And it's, you know, Joaquin Phoenix did touch upon it, that there is systematic racism within, you know, within the industry. And it's important to, to um, I guess, unassemble that. And then when you break it down, like you said, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, about validation. What are these awards? I find award shows really boring. If I if I don't have to go, I won't. I I've been know. to corporate awards and um, industry awards, like creative awards, journalism yeah. awards, yeah. acting awards, also like corporate business world mm-hmm. awards. And to be quite honest, the majority of them are boring as hell. Yeah. The food is mediocre. Is yeah. sitting through a lot of prompt and ceremony and yeah yeah it's it's not it's really not the most riveting thing you know and awards are right so i'm a believer in something becomes important because a certain number of people say it's important so an academy award is important because the academy yeah is is revered now as this body that um validate how good you are yeah. in the acting world yeah. and give you an award for best actor or best actress or best film mm. okay great that's yeah. a set of people whose opinion it is but we all think no but that person is an academy award winner and so they yeah. must be fantastic no. i don't agree with everyone who's won every year there are people who are who I felt are more deserving. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. who is on that panel of judges that are deciding? It's not it's not voted by the public. No, it's not. Right. So then again, you know, there are arguments about who is that panel made up of. What is that representation? I, I actually don't know. Right. Who so that panel is, is it? You know, is, is it, it men? Is it men? Is it? Is, is there it, people of color on it? I don't. We no one knows. It's quite an invisible panel. Like and I've never seen them, or I've never. It's a very exclusive, closed thing. Yeah, it's mm. not inclusive, and it's not. Is is based on opinion, mm. you know? And you you have opinion makers in all sorts of things, you know, like food critics. What makes a food critic a food critic? Because they like some the way something tastes, yeah. the quality of it. It's subjective I think at the end just, of the day. Just touching on I know we've touched on acting, but the music industry, just in light of the um what was it, the Brit uh, the Brit Awards the Brit Awards yeah. this year. And I feel like 
orchestration is huge i think in in awards and i think there is a certain this country is has been obsessed in the past whether that be with reality shows musicians uh, actors or whatever it might be building people up and then breaking them down i mean just going back to caroline flack she was the country's sweetheart Mm. and she was built up you know to the point where she was probably one of the most highest paid presenters in you know in britain um and it's like your career can end like that and 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 the you know unfortunately that ended really horribly um but i feel like it's an orchestration with who's top favorite at the moment to build them up build them up build them up but from what i've seen of history is that you come crashing down at some point Mm. or 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 they are this you know people who are within the industry whoever those people are have the capability to be able to take it all away from you in the end anyway and that is why again i go back to you should have something you have total control over yeah i think that's a great point to end uh, on or or to sum things up and conclude really is is to try and avoid being a puppet of any kind yeah because you know the puppet masters behind the curtain um are the ones that have the real control and it's 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 not falling into that trap of being completely controlled um you know uh i i i have said in the past that um you know, the Wizard of Oz, mm. the almighty Oz, you know, for those that, that know the Wizard of Oz as, as a childhood film growing up, the concept of this Wizard of Oz who can make anything happen mm. um, and then that come crashing down when you see that it's a little man behind a curtain who's yeah. pushing buttons and yeah. pulling levers, yeah. you know. Let's break down all of that myth and all of that, thing that surrounds what is really going on yeah and this is this is why i love you know this is why i've called this podcast the beautiful truth because the truth is beautiful Mm. everyone has their version of truth Mm. um but the truth will always be true yes uh and I, i think it's about asking those questions prodding you know poking ripping things apart, putting them back together and asking questions. Don't take things on face value mm. because if you do that, uh, you will just go through life completely and utterly uh, blind. Yeah. Um, but let's just spend a few minutes on some quick fire questions oh my gosh, go on. Uh, for you just so that um, <laughs> it's a bit lighthearted and a bit fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, oh, just, gosh. you know, first thing, you don't have to think too deeply about things. Okay. Um, so first one, where is your best place to do a food shop? Uh, Aldi. Aldi? Yeah, it's just brilliant with, uh, with discounts and yeah, you can get loads for your money. Fantastic. So you're not a Waitrose, Marks and Spencers kind of girl. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to do a small bougie shop, it's fine. But if you want to get the nitty gritty and prepare for the week, it's Aldi all the way. Great. Okay. <laughs> all right. What would you say is your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh, um, chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Are you a chocoholic? Chocoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Like a whole jar of Nutella. Wow. Yeah. Nutella is your... Is my, I could go through it is my guilty pleasure. Okay. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, anywhere else. Um, probably, I haven't been there yet, but my heart is... T- just because I love London so much. I am a Londoner and I love it. Um, just something that I think could possibly quite be quite similar... I think my heart is calling to this place and I've never been there, but I think definitely New York. Wow. So you've never been, but you no, think you would like I to live I think I'd there. like to live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what would you say then, being a Londoner born and bred, yeah. what would you say is your favourite thing or place in London? Oh. Or favourite thing about London? Oh, I just love London as a as a city. Um, I would say 
my favourite place is... I love Sloane Square. I just love, I love that area. That's a bit bougie, considering you shop at Aldi. <laughs> this is the thing, is that if I shop at Aldi, I can afford to go to Sloane Square. Um, <laughs> I like that. I love, I just love um, Sloane Square and, and the Royal Court. And, you know, it feels like you've got the um, Saatchi Gallery as well and the, the restaurants and the food. And I do, I do It's love, a bit of you. It's a bit of me. I do like the good life. Okay. As much as I love Aldi, I do love the good life. All right, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay. And then um, the last question is if you could um, if you could spend a day with anyone, dead or alive, yeah. who would that one person be? A day. Yeah. A whole day you a have whole to spend day. with them. Yeah. Um, Does it have to be a celebrity? No, it can be anyone. It can be anyone, uh, you know, like I said, from from the present, the past, yeah. dead or alive. Just just one day with that person. Malala. Malala. Yusufo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I would just love to know what... I think she is an incredibly brave young woman and... I would just love to know what what's going through her head. Yeah, she's hugely inspiring. Yeah, and she seems she seems to me like a person who is very calm. Yeah, and you know very sure of herself. Yeah, um, and it would be a very enlightening. Enlightening. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Because I think there's a couple of people I thought of, and then I was like, maybe by one o'clock it would. <laughs> It would get a bit much. A day is yeah, a bit much. a day is a bit much. But I think it's finding someone who you can spend the whole day with. Yeah. I don't know if she'd want to spend the whole day with me, though. Mm. But. <laughs> well, that's a question for Malala. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, episode one. Yep. Um, I have a feeling that you may appear on a few more episodes. <laughs> Um, because we've got so much to talk about. Yeah. But thank you very much for uh, yeah being the first guest and sharing um, and chewing the fat with me. Yeah. This has been the Beautiful Truth podcast, and we'll see you next time.